0: Chapter 21 of North Pole Voyages by Zaharia A. Mudge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 21 Closing Incidents of the Imprisonment. Hans had his story of adventure while at Etah, but the most important item in his estimation, and that which might prove far reaching in its results, was the fact that a young daughter of sung appointed herself his nurse during his sickness, bestowing upon him care, sympathy, and bewitching smiles. She had evidently done what Godfrey tried in vain to do. She had entrapped him, at the expense too, of a young Eskimo lady at Upernavik. Hans had been successful in the hunt, and besides what he had sent by Godfrey, had deposited some walrus at Littleton Island. He was at once sent after this and entrusted at the same time with an important commission dr Kane had been for some time meditating another trip towards the polar sea to do this he desired more dogs the eskimo had been reducing their stock to keep away starvation but kalutuna had retained four these and such others as he could find hans was authorized to buy or hire at almost any price this northern trip made the next move might be towards the abandonment of the advance she could never float it was plain for now late in april the open water was eighty miles south while hans was gone the sick yet numbering two-thirds of the whole and in a measure all of the other third except the commander were without fresh food as they had been for several days. Yet the sunshine and the occasional supplies had put them all on the improving list. They could sit up, sew or job a little, making themselves useful, and keeping up good spirits. But hark, what sound is that breaking on the still clear air? It comes nearer. Bim, bim, bim sounds upon the deck. It is Hans, whose coming is ever like the coming of the morning. A rabbit stew and walrus-liver follow his arrival, and over such royal dainties good cheer pervades the family circle. Hans brought Metek with him, and Metek's young nephew, Paulik, a boy of fourteen. Metek and Hans spoke sadly of the condition of the Eskimo settlements. We have seen that the escaping party found those of the south flying northward from starvation. The report now was that they had huddled together at Northumberland Island until that yielded to the famine, and now they had come farther north. It was a sad sight to see men, women, and children fleeing over the icy desert before their relentless foe. Yet, says Hans, they sung as they went, careless of present want, and thoughtless of the morrow. Many had died, and thus year by year these few, scattered, Improvident people decline, giving earnest that in a few years all will be gone. Though light-hearted, death did bring its sorrows to these benign heathen. Kalutuna lost a sister, her body was sewed up in skins, not in a sitting posture but extended, and her husband, unattended, carried it out to burial, and with his own hand placed upon it stone after stone, making at once a grave and a monument. A blubber lamp was burning outside the hut while he was gone, and when he returned, his friends were waiting to listen to his rehearsal of the praises of the dead, and to hear the expressions of his sorrow, while they showed their grief by dismal chantings. If sorrow did not keep the deceased in the memory of the living, imposed self-denials did. The Angakuk, or medicine man, as our Indians would call him, determines the penance of the mourner, who is sometimes forbidden to eat the meat of a certain bird or beast, under the idea that the spirit of the departed has entered into it. At another time the mourner must not draw on his hood, but go with uncovered head, or he may be forbidden to go on the bear or walrus hunt. The length of time of these penances may be a few months or a year." The reader will recollect the widow with her birds, who appeared so often in the narrative of the escaping party. Though thus mourning for the dead, these Eskimo do not hold life as a very sacred trust. The drones and the useless are sometimes harpooned in the back, merely to get rid of them. Infants are put out of the way when they greatly annoy their parents. Hans, on one of his returns from Etah, had a story to tell illustrative of this. Awachtuk, a young man of twenty-two, had a pretty wife, pretty as Eskimo beauty goes, sister of Kalutuna and about eighteen years old. Dr. Kane had regarded this couple with some interest, and the husband stuck to him as a plaster. Their firstborn was a fine little girl, Well, Hans reported with becoming disgust, an indignation, that they had buried it alive under a pile of stones. When Dr. Kane next visited Itach, he inquired of his friends Avatuk and his wife, after the health of the baby, affecting not to have heard about its hard fate. They pointed with both hands earthward, but did not even shed the cheap, customary tear. The only reason reported for this murder was that certain of its habits common to all infants, were disagreeable to them. Such is the mildest heathenism without Christianity. These and other similar gross sins are common among the South Greenland Eskimo, but have disappeared before the teachings of the Moravian missionaries. Hans returned with the walrus he had deposited at Littleton Island, but he had made no progress in getting dogs, so Dr. Kane resolved to go to Etah for that purpose himself. Besides, having learned that Godfrey was playing a high game there and defying capture, and also fearing his influence over the friendly relations of the Eskimo, he resolved to bring him back to the brig. Metek was just starting for Etah, so he invited himself to return with him, while Pollock, his nephew, remained with Hans. This arrangement effected, Dr. Kane was soon approaching Itach, perfectly disguised in the hood and jumper of Pollock, whose place on the sledge he occupied. The whole city ran out to meet their chief, among whom was the deserter, who shouted and then threw up his arms with the most savage of them. He did not perceive his commander until a certain well-understood summons entered his ear, and a significant pistol-barrel gleamed in the sunlight near his eyes. He surrendered to this boom argument without discussion, and trotting or walking, he kept his assigned place ahead of the sledge through the eighty and more miles to the brig, halting only at Anahatuk. We hear nothing of further attempt at desertion. A little later Dr. Kane made another visit to Itah. The hunt had become successful, and the famine was broken all was activity and good cheer the women were preparing the green hides for domestic use great piles of walrus tushes were preserved for various useful purposes some of these the children had selected as bats and were engaged in merry sport their game was to knock a ball made of walrus bone up the slanting side of a hammock and then in turn hit it as it rolled down and so keep it from reaching the floe they shouted and laughed as the game went on much as our boys do over their sports dr kane observed on this trip a way of taking walrus which has not we think been noted before the monster at this early season sometimes finds the ice open near a berg only he comes on the ice to sun himself finds the change from the cold sea very agreeable "'stays too long, the water freezes solid, and he cannot return. "'As he is unable to break the ice from above, "'he either waits for the current about the berg to open the ice again, "'or works himself clumsily to some already open place. "'In this helpless state, the dogs send him afar off, "'and the hunters, following their lead, make him an easy prey. Hans came in on the 24th of April,' accompanied by Kalutuna, Shanhi, and Tateret, each of the Eskimo having sledges and sixteen dogs in all. Hans had been sent to Cape Alexander, where Kalutuna was sojourning, to invite him to the brig, in order to secure his aid in the proposed northern trip. He was fed well, and propitiated by a present of a knife and needles. He said, Thank you, and added, I love you well, which might uncharitably be taken to mean. I love your presents well. The result of the presents, feasting and flattery, was a start north by the three Eskimo, with Dr. Kane and Hans, all the dog-teams accompanying. The old route across Kennedy Channel to the west side, and so north poleward, was attempted. First came a very fair progress, then came the hummocks over which, by the aid of their dogs, they clambered until thirty miles from the brig had been made. Then Shanki burrowed into a snowbank and slept, the cold being thirty degrees below zero. The rest camped in the snow and lunched. Just as a fair start was again made, the party neared a huge male bear in the act of lunching on the seal. In vain the doctor attempted to control either dogs or drivers. "'Nanook! Nanook!' shouted the Eskimo, as they clung to the sledges and the dogs flew over the ice in wild and reckless pursuit after an exciting chase the bear was brought to a halt and to a fight which the rivals and spears soon terminated against brun a feast by dogs and men and a night's halt on the ice followed to dr kane at least both vexatious and comfortless the next day he would press on to the north But bear tracks were everywhere, and the savage chiefs preferred hunting to exploring. Besides they had, they said, their families to support, and there was no use trying to cross the channel so high up. The English of it was, we are going in for the bears, and you may help yourself. A day more was spent in a wild hunt among the bergs, and the party returned to the brig. A little later still another attempt was made to unlock further the secrets of the extreme icy north, this time by only Kane and Morton with a six-dog sledge, the explorers walking. This, the last effort of the kind, ended in the usual way, excepting some additions to the surveys. End of chapter 21